Welcome to In This Case, a podcast from Hilti that goes behind the scenes at one of the most iconic brands in the world of construction. We'll talk to the people who make it all happen and ask them who, how, what if, and of course, why. Here's your host, Claire Combs. When people hear the word poverty, they often think of the income implications. But the reality is that the manifestations of living in poverty, and in particular, extreme poverty, are really wide-ranging. Poverty leads to hunger, malnutrition, lack of education, social discrimination, lack of sanitation, and societal exclusion. And according to the United Nations, poverty disproportionately impacts women and children. In fact, their projections indicate that more than 160 million children are at risk of living in extreme poverty by 2030. Through their work in the field of economic empowerment, the Hilti Foundation aims to help change that. Yeah, my name is Werner Wallner. We met Werner in the first episode in this series. He leads the Hilti Foundation and also manages the foundation's investments in the field of economic empowerment. Uh, the objective of economic empowerment within the Hilti Foundation is to enable people to become economically independent and uh, start living a, a self-determined and autonomous life. Uh, you know, we believe that there is talent all over the world, uh, but there's not opportunity all over the world for people to develop their, their talents. So there's this conviction that everyone should have a sustainable job, should be able to develop skills, run a business, and, and, and make an income. To help develop communities and enable people to lead a more self-determined life, the Hilti Foundation applies some basic principles to the economic empowerment programs that they support. And there's four main objectives we're driving. Uh, one is help for self-help. What we want to achieve is uh, give people skills and competences so that they can become active by themselves and, and change their own life. Uh, secondly, we want to focus on, on market attractiveness, yeah? meaning um, we want to develop skills that are needed by the market in the future so the people have a chance to find a job and sustain the job uh, or produce a product which is needed by the market. Yeah? Third objective is truly looking at the whole system, so making systemic changes. We're convinced that only when you do that, um, then you can achieve long-term and sustainable solutions. So we look at entire systems rather than fixing one element uh, of it. And that requires uh, holistic views and, and, and you never can do that by yourself. You actually need partners around the table that share the, the goal with you and Maybe a fourth one that's also important, which is local. We have to find local solutions. You know, we don't have to transform our thinking and our life onto uh, the life of the people who, who live there. We have to actually understand their needs and, uh, and find solutions, innovative solutions with the people um, and together with the people. And therefore, we look in our programs to have locals running uh, the programs that have locals trained locals, that we have focus on not importing products, uh, but sourcing and developing the products locally and create local value chains. Uh, with th these are four of four key underlying principles uh, for the foundation generally, but uh, in particular in economic empowerment. 
one of the organizations that the Hilti Foundation partners with to deliver this support for local initiatives is Hand in Hand International. Hi, um, so I'm Dorothea Arndt. I'm the CEO of Hand in Hand International. Uh, so since 2003, we've been working in 10 countries uh, from Afghanistan all the way to Zimbabwe, so from A to Z. So I'll start with the figure. Uh, and the figure is that in Kenya and in Tanzania, so where we work alongside the Hilti Foundation, around half of the population is below what is known as the international uh, extreme poverty line, which is $1.90 a day. So what does that mean? Because I think for most of us, it's, it's hard to imagine what does it mean living on $1 a day? So let me give you a couple of examples. In terms of your what you're eating, it basically means that you're going to eat the same meal every single day of your life. Uh, and it'll be probably some sort of cereal-based meal. In uh, Kenya, it might be, for example, uh, maize-based with maybe some vegetables thrown in. And you're going to eat that for your two meals a day that you're eating every single day of your life, unless you're unlucky and your harvest hasn't worked out that year, and then you're going to go to bed hungry. That's what it means in terms of food, to live at that level. In terms of maybe water, so what it means is that you're going to probably walk, not even take a bicycle, you're probably going to walk uh, with a plastic bucket to a nearby source of water, which may or may not be clean water. and you may or may not be able to afford more than one plastic bucket, which means that most likely you're going to spend hours on getting water. The challenges of extreme poverty are massive. In Africa today, there are about 500 million people living under such difficult life circumstances. 70% of the extremely poor have no or only basic education, which provides them with very little hope of change for their future. So first off, let's acknowledge it's a huge and complex problem, and one that many organizations have worked really hard to address over the years, but often with quite limited success. The history of development aid is littered with projects where well-meaning outsiders came with an idea that seemed to really make sense on paper, but that just then didn't work for whatever reasons, uh, because it didn't make sense to the people who who were supposed to be benefiting from the project. So I previously worked for uh, another NGO uh, prior to Hand in Hand, and we had a fantastic project for a school in Uganda. And part of the, the way that this school was going to be self-funded is that it was going to have a small fee that parents were going to pay for lunch at the school for the children to have lunch. And so the, the school project started running and everything was going according to plan and brilliantly. The trouble was that the school just wasn't making the revenues that we had anticipated. And, and so we said, well, why is that? Ah, because no one's taking lunch. So why is nobody taking lunch? Is it is there something wrong with the lunch? Is it too expensive or is it the wrong kind of food? No, they said, it's just that in our community, it's not normal to have lunch. We have a big meal in the morning and we have a meal in the evening and we just don't have lunch. And and no one had kind of clarified that at the, the, the start of the project. And that's because the project was conceived largely in the UK for Uganda. And that's why it's really important to have teams in country because there's just a whole set of cultural assumptions that we all make without realizing that we're making them. Foreign companies or NGOs should not transform their thinking to a local community. 
we know that's not working. We can bring know-how, experience, we can help with resources and finances to kickstart initiatives, but success in the long run can only be achieved if you work with local partners who have a deep understanding of the environment and the local needs, and based on that, find the right solutions together with the people and communities concerned. And this point highlights exactly why Hand in Hand International is such a valued partner for the Hilti Foundation. As a European philanthropic organization, the Foundation's commitment to local perspective relies on groups like Hand in Hand, who have established teams and deep roots in the communities they serve. So my name is Jane Richard Sabuni. I'm from Hand in Hand, Eastern Africa, Tanzania. I'm the branch manager here in Arusha. As a local branch manager for Hand in Hand International, Jane oversees day-to-day operations and also helps lead the team through important cultural and contextual considerations. As you know, in Tanzania, we believe in uh, working together. And for us, uh, respecting uh, somebody who is above you in terms maybe of authority, I can say, it's very important. And Hand in Hand has made sure that we work very closely with the government as Hand in Hand deals with delivering the training, and this means that meeting the community members directly to the villages. And before going to the villages, it's it's important to meet the local leaders. So now we reach the point where the theory of economic development can actually be put into practice. Having established a strong local partnership and identified communities that would benefit from economic empowerment investment, The team then meets with local officials to gain their support before connecting program participants with teachers and mentors, also known as business relationship officers or BROs. They're the ones who will uh, will ensure that we have the members on board for us to deliver the training. As we have met a lot of people or a lot of communities here in Tanzania, so wherever we go, we find there are different uh, businesses. Within a group, we allow everybody to do what they feel that they are passionate about. We have tailors, we have uh, motorbike drivers, we have women with, who are food vendors, and we have most of them we have who are farmers. Yeah and who are livestock keepers, yeah. So from farmers and livestock keepers to tailors and motorbike drivers, it's clear that the community benefits from the diverse interests of program participants. Next, I asked Jane if there had been any ideas that really surprised her. Yeah, there is a business idea that we were first surprised on. It's when uh, our member, after the... um, climate resilient uh, training, they decided to make uh, the surface tools uh, using the water disposable bottles. Jane explained that these sofa stools are like ottomans or footrests made entirely from discarded single-use plastic bottles. It's a great reminder that good ideas are everywhere, and the role of Hand in Hand is to incubate these business concepts and support program participants to develop the entrepreneurial skills they need to succeed. You can learn to become an entrepreneur. A very important skill is how to identify whether there's a market for your product. And actually, if you've traveled to, and this is really important because if you've traveled to developing countries at all, if you've ever kind of 
taken a road outside of the big city, what you'll have noticed is that maybe you're on a road and then there's like one vegetable stall and then right next to it there's another vegetable stall and then there's another one and another one and and you might be thinking well why people why would people all be doing the same thing why would they all try and sell the same products and um and that's because you know no one's actually taken them through this this theory of marketing and 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 looking at the market opportunity and where the demand might be so that's just one very simple example of the kind of training we provide Okay, so we have program infrastructure, local business ideas from inspired participants, and marketing principles to support success. But to get any business off the ground, there's another critically important element, financing. And as with every other facet of the program, the financial mechanisms used by Hand in Hand are designed to meet the needs of the community they serve. So the concept of table banking is something that's practiced probably by something like one in four adults in Kenya and in Tanzania. And it's a way to um, access loans, basically. And it's how most of our banks, as we know them today, that's how they probably started 200 years ago. A group of maybe 20 individuals get together and they're agreeing to put in maybe something like 50 cents into a communal pot every two weeks, for example. And so at some point, there'll be maybe $100 in the pot or $50 even in the pot. And then uh, if you and I were in a group together, Claire, then we would kind of sit together with our with our fellow members. And, and maybe you, Claire, you might have an idea and you might say, I'd like to start a business uh, selling tomatoes. I think, you know, there's a there's a good market for that. I've noticed that tomatoes fetch a really good price um, and that there's no one else really in the area that's growing them. So I'd like to go ahead and buy some tomato seedlings. The group can decide, uh, maybe they'll select three members or two members to borrow the money and they'll be able to borrow three times the money that they have contributed. And uh, during the following week, and they're given a certain period of time to return the money back. And during the following week, they'll return the money with a little interest so that the money keeps generating income as well. So that the, the, the capital grows and many members can be able to borrow and, uh, and fund their enterprises. So this is just is simply just where the members go collect all their money together and they pick few members to borrow their money. And when they return back the money, they bring back the money with the interest. So I'm suggesting that I'd like to take $50 out of the pot. And then as a group, we agree on that. And then we say, yeah, I, I think we can trust Claire. That's a good idea. And we're sure that she'll repay the money uh, on time. And, um, and we agree beforehand that you're going to pay a set interest and that's how it works. That's that's table banking in a, in a nutshell. And what's clever about it is because you'll pay interest as you pay the money back into the pot. The pot will will grow, uh, and so there'll be more for uh, the next member who then who then wants to make a borrow from the pot. While the partnership between the Hilti Foundation and Hand in Hand is still pretty fresh, there have already been measurable successes that begin to highlight the program's full potential. Yeah, Walter is a um, a 28-year-old Kenyan, and he lives in in rural Kenya, far away from 
from uh, the capital city of uh, Nairobi. Uh, he grew up there with his parents and, uh, and three siblings. And the parents lived off, you know, a very small garden they had around the house, uh, but it was not enough to, to support the family. Uh, Walter, at the age of 13, had to actually drop out of school because the family could not afford education anymore. And from then, his life was just taking jobs to support the family, day jobs uh, to support the family. Uh, none of these jobs had any, you know, perspectives for him, for his life. Yeah? So he jobbed around and, and supported uh, his, his parents and his siblings. And he told me in, in a conversation uh, that it was really difficult for him to stay legal during all this time. He actually said, you know, I was struggling to keep within the boundaries of the law, um, were his words. And this was his life before, you know, difficult. And, uh, and he joined the hand-in-hand program and I met him. Actually, he joined the hand-in-hand program in 2019 and I met him uh, just about a year after he had uh, joined the program. And he started uh, paying into this uh, table banking uh, account, uh, this community-based uh, savings account. And he took out a small loan and, uh, and bought 10 chicken and a rooster. And it's amazing what, uh, what you can do with, uh, with a 10 chicken and a rooster in 12 months. When you have knowledge and skills, you can be independent in life. You can take care of yourself. I used the money from table banking to buy 10 hens and one rooster. This is how I started as a poultry farmer. They reproduced and reproduced to about 200 chickens. And the amazing thing was for me how well he understood his business, right? He said, uh, he said actually, he, he technically... Um, had a perfect farm, small farm, uh, of free walking uh, chicken, uh, and he had a stable for them. He knew how to feed them. He knew how to keep them healthy. Uh, he knew the business model behind. Yeah, he said, selling the egg does not give me profit. Uh, it just pays my bills, so I'm at break-even. Uh, I mean, he used those words. Yeah, he, I'm at break-even uh, selling eggs, but... I can make $8 selling the chicken, so the meat. And I said, so when are you starting selling? Those looks like ready to be sold. Um, they look healthy and, and happy. And, and he said, I'm going to wait for Christmas. So why Christmas? Because the prices are the highest uh, selling at Christmas. And so we talked about, you know, what it would mean to, to shift production of chicken to be able to sell every month. Although the prices may not be high, but you know, if you keep them too long, you're waiting for, for excess profit for too long. And so Walter was already in that type of mindset, and, and he was just very successful in, in running his chicken business. He, he actually ventured then into a tomato farming. Um, so he has a little tomato farm and produces tomatoes. And, and recently I've been told he, he invests into beekeeping, so he's... You know, the model is actually, he's a perfect example of our model. Walter's success points to so many positive elements of the program. But there's one aspect of his story that makes him a bit of an outlier, and that's his gender. Because most people who participate in the hand-in-hand program are women. We started this episode by pointing out that women are disproportionately affected by extreme poverty, 
And the team was quick to emphasize that supporting female entrepreneurs is a foundational principle of the program. You know, if you look at the role of women in, uh, in rural East Africa, it's, they, they play a vital role in, in, um, in raising the family, in uh, raising kids, feeding the family, uh, taking a disproportionate load of uh, the work, unpaid work at home, while at the same time they work on farms, uh, add to the family income, maybe run their own small, own small business. Yeah, and, and, and on the other side, they face major barriers in, in life. They have still disadvantages in education, in access to health, in financial inclusion, access to credit. Looking at the African uh, society, women have been facing different, uh, I would say, different uh, situations where they are not uh, favored or they are not powerful as men. And we believe that when you work with a woman, you have worked with the whole community because whatever a woman has, it's a shared thing. So if you empower this woman, you are ensure that the household will be also empowered, including the men. And we know from studies and facts that whenever women are empowered in the family, for instance, if they have the power to um, decide how to spend family income, families develop much better than in, in, in families where that's not the case. Yeah? So uh, women in general have a tremendous a role in, in, in the well-being of individuals, families, and communities mm-hmm. on one, but also they're an economic factor for, for agriculture and in, in rural East Africa. So they are really important to um, empowerment of women is really important to the social development and economic development in these regions. The partnership between the Hilti Foundation and Hand in Hand International has quickly become a model for how philanthropic organizations can support economic development at the community and individual levels. But that's not the only area of focus for the Hilti Foundation in Eastern Africa. Werner and his team are also exploring opportunities to support job training in the construction industry. So there's a large opportunity for uh, the private sector construction market to invest into developing skills in young people they would need to grow their businesses. Yeah, that, that's the market side of it. On the other side, there's many young people that look for, for a better life in, in the cities. And in order to, to find a better life in the cities, they need education and sustainable jobs. So, you know, our passion is construction. So we wanted to actually set up an education system, a practical vocational education system for uh, construction-related jobs. And the the vision is to set up a public-private partnership between the leading local firms investing into um, hiring young people already after secondary school uh, and educating them in-house. At the same time, prepare schools who do the technical education uh, and also do practical education. What's great about this focus on trade training is that Hilti is uniquely positioned to help. In fact, many Hilti teams around the world are already cultivating these types of partnerships with trade schools and associations in their own markets. But as we've heard, the approach can never be one size fits all. So the team is working to establish the groundwork for this type of trade school partnership in Africa. The initiative is, 
is really now focusing setting up a lighthouse. So very exciting. It's in the planning phase. Hopefully we get approval soon and then can start the initiative. If there's one takeaway from this episode, it may just be that economic empowerment is one of the most complex, multifaceted fields in philanthropy. But with focus and strong partnerships, the Hilti Foundation aims to make a measurable difference in the lives of people dealing with extreme poverty in Eastern Africa. Our goal is to help people to achieve a decent income so they can afford a better living standard. For the people in rural Africa, that means being able to live in a safe and healthy home with uh, clean water, having food security, having access to medical care, being able to afford education for the kids, being included in a community. A better living standard also includes money in a safety account for good and bad times. Many of the people in our program were able to save money from their business income, which helped them get through the pandemic and not fall back into poverty as they live in countries with no public support systems. You know, one common answer I get from the families in Africa all the time when I ask them about the future, and that is that they want to save money, enough money, so they can send their children to college for them to have a better life. To learn more about the partner we featured in today's episode, visit handinhandinternational.org. And if you're motivated to offer direct support for startups in developing countries, the team also recommends microlending through kiva.org. The site lets you search for investments by business type or geography. In This Case is a production of Hilti North America. To give us feedback, ask a question, or share an idea for a future podcast, email HiltiDirect at Hilti.com. <laughs>